Hello and welcome to Bah Humbug, a podcast about that cuddliest of all movie genres, the Christmas movie. My name is Helen O'Hara and I'll be your ho-ho host, I'm so sorry, uh, for this Christmas season. So today we're going to be talking about David E. Talbert's Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, which is new this year on Netflix. And we're going to be contrasting that with the 1994 film Miracle on 34th Street. And if you would prefer the 1947 version, we will talk about that too, don't worry. Um, But with me to do so are the world's greatest Christmas movie experts, people with a master's in Yuletide and a PhD in caroling, or at least the merriest people I could find in my address book. Um, So first up, I'm delighted to welcome broadcaster and critic Ashanti Omkar, who is a mainstay at the BBC and at the London Indian Film Festival, as well as an all-round film expert and one of the best travelled people I know. So hi, Ashanti, how are you doing? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. And can I just start off by saying your accent is just so sexy. (laughs) I've just got to put it out there. Thank you. (laughs) Well, my goodness, I could come out of this uh, better off than I was before. Um, I'm also joined by Amon Warman, who is a contributing editor at Empire Magazine. I've never heard of it, mate. And a writer for Composer Mag, NME, Variety and many more. How are you doing, Amon? I'm good. I'm good. I, I I I can't top anything Ashanti just said. This, this is great. Uh, but yes, I'm happy to be here as well. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So yeah, I guess before we get into these two films, like, tell me what is your attitude to Christmas movies as a whole? Are you an elf or more of a Grinch? <laughs> uh, I am definitely more of an elf. Um, it's it's funny that you say Elf because uh, I'm sure you remember last year I uh, revealed to uh, my friends that I had not seen Elf and they were shocked and horrified uh, by this revelation and it, it basically it took me to a uh, sing-along screening at the Prince Charles last year when we were still allowed outside the house, which was very, very fun. But yeah, no, I, I do like a Christmas movie and I, you know, I like that they are such a great sort of format for life lessons. Um, and, you know, much of the lessons that are sort, of, are sort of, you know, swept up in the whole Christmas spirit of it all and December and presents and all like that, but they are really lessons for all months of the year for life. And I think the really, really good ones impart those lessons in a really sort of heartwarming way that does tend to stick with you. And that's, for me, the main thing about why Christmas movies are so great to watch. That's a very Christmas movie way of summing it up. How about you, Ashanti? <laughs> well, for, for me, growing up in Nigeria, we had these very wholesome films. So Ben-Hur type mm. films, films that didn't kind of show, there was no skin show, there were no racy bits. This is the sort of film that would be beamed into our TV screen. So those are so, the sort of films I, I watched as a child, apart from the fact that they also showed Bollywood films in Nigeria. So every Saturday you'd have like a, you know, a Cholet type film beaming in. And with those films, they never kind of cut all the bits so there weren't any you know there were no bbfc type certifications they would just literally <laughs> literally beam them as they were and i remember having some freaked out moments but in england obviously we've had these star wars movies that have mm-hmm. dominated our lives at christmas time in the last few years and it's always that event is it's such an event movie mm-hmm. you want to go there with the, with friends and family and 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 watch them and for for those of us who watch a lot of indian cinema bollywood has been been dishing up films like PK and Three Idiots that come out at Christmas time. In fact, with Three Idiots, which uh, stars Amir Khan, it was a, a massive film. It came out, gosh, over a decade ago now. And I just remember it was like a 
8 p.m. screening. They did like a a special secret press screening in the UK for a very select set of press. And I happened to be there and the snow started in that year just oh, as I perfect. was leaving. It just felt so Christmassy, you know, and this is a film that has, you know, it's it's a comedy film, but it has so many wonderful messages and it reminds you to follow your passions. And these are the sort of things, I mean, Christmas movies, as, as Amon said, are all about the message and they're, they're all about that feel-good factor and having something like this that's so colourful and vibrant. So it's just an exciting time of year, isn't it? You know, mm. for me, it's all about the food and and film and hibernation. I mean, I truly believe in that. Uh, I don't Turkey think coma, I'm, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's 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 hygge, is it? The, uh, oh, yes. It's a, the, the Danish concept of coziness, essentially. Yes. And Hygge. Hugger, that's it. It's like it's like giving yourself a hug. That's it. I remember someone saying, "Think of it as giving yourself a hug at home." And it it is all you know. I've got a one kg bag of cocoa now, so I can make hot <laughs> chocolate for probably the whole neighborhood. I've First got my Ashanti's, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I'm, go. I'm actually wanting to go to Amon's because I've seen Amon's Christmas spread and I know <laughs> that I need to be there to eat his Christmas food. But yes, it's all about the food and the movies. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, it's a great time of year. Actually, I mean, that was going to be one of my next questions was what are the sort of the what is the Christmas dish you've got to have at your house? Like what is the one thing you've absolutely got to have? Well, in my case... I have to say that I try and make my husband make jollof rice for me, Nigerian sure. jollof rice. Cause he, he nails it every time. And jollof rice is an ultimate comfort food. And I make biryani sometimes. And, you know, you have a, a biryani can be made in so many different ways. And it's that, that idea of having rice and meat and maybe a layer of potatoes or jollof rice, which is a, a beautiful combination of, you know, scotch bonnet peppers to give the fire bell peppers, tomatoes, all cooked for sweetness, in, yeah. Yeah, oh. for the sweetness and tang. So you've got all those flavors. You've got the umami, you've got the tang. It's all mm. coming together into this one dish. And of course, if you make whatever meat that you're making with it, and you can even make it vegan if you really wanted to. Mm. So there are so many ways of making these dishes and everyone has a personal way. Those are the two for me. And it's just, it just is all about the comfort for me. Awesome. How about you, Amon? I mean, Ashanti has sold the <laughs> hell out of that. My goodness. Like, I, th there's not like a singular dish, I guess, because my art spread is all about sort of a combination of things. So you got, typically mm -hmm. you got, uh, you know, either a duck or turkey or even both. Then you got the stuffing, then you mm -hmm. got the potatoes, then you got the assortments of rice, you got the chicken, you got the plantain, because why the hell not? It's not a Christmas dish, but plantain is, is, is i just love it so gonna have that so it's all of that sort of on the same spread so yeah amazing. and uh yeah my yeah. my mom does an amazing job i supervise you know just make sure that everything is going of well of course of course you yeah know? Uh -huh. you know, it's a very important job you can't you teach tell it. me <laughs> tell me you at least do the dishes or something useful come on come on i i do the dishes sometimes sometimes okay, there you go. and oh. you know what, i i'm like i'm like the master of ceremonies in our house i provide the entertainment i'll uh. bring my you know big old computer down to the tv and you know set everything up and all that sort of stuff so i provide the ambiance okay. which sure, is you know sure, sure. again important job you can't teach it um so so yeah whatever you say <laughs> Hi everybody, my name's Helen. And I'm Kobe. And we're from Flix Watcher, a podcast in the strip media family. 
We are a movie podcast and we review films that are just on Netflix in the UK. So if you've ever struggled to find a film on Netflix to watch, we're the podcast for you. We have guests on from other podcasts, big and small, just like these guys that you listen to now. They choose the films and we rate them and discuss them with our unique scoring system. You can find Flix Watcher on any podcast app by searching Flix Watcher. That's F L I X Watcher. And if you want more information about any of the other podcasts in the Strip Media family, just visit www.stripped.media to find out more. Anyway, we didn't come here to make each other hungry. We did come actually to talk about movies. So uh, so with no further ado, let's talk about these. So uh, let me just set up the two films. I'm hoping that if you're listening to this, you've seen them. I think what we'll probably do is try and talk spoiler free for a little while, but we will probably get into spoilers a little bit later on in the chat. So first of all, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey is the story of Jeronicus Jangle, who is a genius toy maker but he loses his mojo after his apprentice steals his inventions and runs away and his wife passes away. And the double blow basically destroys his faith in everything, I think, really. So decades later, his equally gifted granddaughter arrives for a Christmas visit and attempts to restore his creative spark and zest for life. And because the whole idea of the show which I don't know why I came up with this, but here we are, uh, was to contrast an old and new film. So I, I, I put this with Miracle on 34th Street, which is the story of a department store Santa, who calls himself Chris Kringle, who claims to be the real guy um, and causes turmoil for the determinedly practical pairing of single mother executive Mrs. Walker and her daughter Susan. So first of all, you've both obviously watched both films. Instant reactions to both. Did you enjoy them? I did. I did. Uh, Jingle Jangle, I had an especially fun time with. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the songs are fantastic. Uh, I think the performances are really great. There's uh, a young girl whose name escapes me at this moment in time. So the lovely little little girl, Madeline Mills, she's actually grown up really fast since they've shot this film, though, because I kind of had a look at what she's doing now. And she plays the bass. She plays the piano. She's into STEM oh science. You know, this, this, this girl is super, super, super talented. So and she's basically her character. <laughs> she, she is. She really is, you know. And I, I have to say, she was an absolute delight to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, pairing her up with John Legend and Hugh Bonneville and Forrest Whitaker, what could um, go wrong? <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't even set up the cast of these two films, by the way, but they're extraordinary cast. So for Jingle Jangle, you know, Forrest Whitaker, Keegan Michael Key, Anika Nonny Rose, Felicia Rashad, are you kidding no. me? You know, it's an incredible embarrassment of riches. Um, even before you, I mean, Ricky Martin is the voice of yeah. a doll, a matador doll. <laughs> Sure, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, just just an incredible lineup of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now I I really dug this one, and it's just nice to see a Christmas movie which has uh, people of color uh, so sort mm-hmm. of you know frontlined in this way um, because I think any time you sort of see uh, people of color in a Christmasy movie, it's more to do with the Christian story, the, the Christian story of it all, like Forrest Whitaker. Himself, I think he starred in the film called Black Nativity a few years back, and it's it's in, oh, yeah. it's in those types of films that we typically see people of color uh, in sort of Christmas story. But this, you know, we've seen so many films like this with white people in these roles all the time. Uh, so it's nice to yeah. uh, sort of change that up a little bit, and I think it has uh, a really 
sort of positive effect on the entire proceedings. So it's good. Yeah, less of a white Christmas. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Because that wasn't meant to be the way that was taken. You know, that's meant to be a white snow. I'm just saying, guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you, Ashanti? Did you enjoy it? Absolutely loved it. I, I was so excited when they had announced this film. I really wanted to see it. And just looking at that cast and the fact that they'd kind of pulled in John Legend to, to work on the music just made me so happy. Mm. And I, I kind of was very curious to see how they would bring this to life. And they did it with, with perfection. Mm. I, 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 you know, I think I will be watching the film again, you know, just because I loved it so much. So for me, what, watching this film, just, just the fact that it, it just all came together so beautifully. I probably will be watching it again at Christmas time, just because it just had so much joy in it. Yeah. And what can I say? Just like uh, Helen described this car. Past, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, wow. And, and you know, I, I'm sure Amon will agree with me on this. There was one bit that maybe Amon would have also rewound and watched again and again, because I did, was when Bisakide's song comes up when they're having a snowball fight. And you, you're suddenly seeing this, this amazing Ghanaian artist and his music come into a film mm-hmm. like this that's so quintessentially Christmassy. And all the cast then have a little dance going on and Forrest Whitaker dances with them. I mean, I had to just watch, rewind it and watch it. Well, I say rewind, <laughs> shows a sign of times. I meant I scrubbed backwards. <laughs> and and yeah. I watched again and again just because that scene for me was an epic moment in terms of representation because mm-hmm. suddenly you have this African artist and you have, a, you know, this, this amazing cast and all these people are very very multicultural bunch of people on this street where it's snowing, just bopping their heads to it. It was magic. Yeah, It, it really is. And I tell you what I like about this is, I you know, this is something I've gone on about before, and I'm sure some of you have heard me say this already, but, you know, it, it annoys me when science fiction and fantasy movies recreate injustices of the real world when they are sexist, when they are racist, when they are any other ists going, which don't make sense because if you're creating a fantasy world, there is no need to replicate white supremacy. There is no need to replicate racism. There is no need to replicate sexism. And, and that's what I love about this. It feels like a sort of, you know, a Wakandan Christmas fantasy, you know, because this is a world where colonialism feels like it did not happen. It feels like this is a a sort of, not just a post-racist or any of those kind of nonsense phrases, but a non-racist world, which is such a positive thing for a Christmas movie. It's so delightful. Oh, to live in that world. I know, right? Can you imagine? Oh, wow. Plus it's also, I mean, it's, it's, beautifully realized as well this sort of like steampunk clockwork gorgeously decorated uh, film i mean there is not i think a single piece of clothing in the film that i don't want this is true and correct there yeah i <laughs> if anybody follows you you probably know at this point that i like myself a good jacket and i want all the jackets mm-hmm. in this movie because wow every single one i will take out another wardrobe if i need to um <laughs> they're, they're really, really great. Yeah, so yeah, you're, you're completely right to point that out. Yeah, that was Michael Wilkinson, by the way, on costumes. Who's the guy who did like Batman v Superman? Um, did the most recent bat suit? He did Aladdin as well, Tron Legacy. Like he's this is a big, big film. It's a very big, glossy film, which is not always the way with Christmas movies. 
hundred percent. And who doesn't love seeing a Hugh Bonneville pop in into <laughs> anything, right? I I just absolutely adore this man, and the, just the fact that he kind of pops in, and then you have Ricky Martin with all, with all that sass. <laughs> <laughs> The sassiest doll brought to life. Yeah. It just all just worked for me in such a way. And he's a villain. <laughs> I mean, yes. so, okay, we're going to get into spoilers a little bit now. Ricky Martin's a bad guy as a doll. Evil, <laughs> evil Ricky. <laughs> I like I liked his tune that uh, he got in the opening act as well. Um, mm. It had to happen because Ricky Martin, you don't cast Ricky Martin and not give that dude a song. Absolutely. Initially, when you sort of see a casting like that, you don't think that that's like Ricky Martin in a, in a role like this. It feels weird, but it actually, <laughs> it, it, they really made it work. They really did. And, you know, I, I think that this this young, young actress, uh, Madeline Mills, I think mm. she's going to go far with her work because she's already signed her next film. And, you know, her talent is, is palpable. She has so mm. many talents and they managed to really cast the right character for this. And it is it, it must have been a lot of pressure on a little girl to be, to be able to do that, to be Journey Jangle. And mm. wow, you know, she delivered this with mm. with aplomb. And I'm sure she has a very bright future yeah. Absolutely. in 2021 yeah. and beyond. She's so good that it makes me forgive the fact that she's a little too light-skinned to be their daughter. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, in fairness, we, 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 don't see, we don't see her dad. So we don't know, you know, what's kind of going into the mix on that half, I guess. Uh, okay. Okay. It's a fair point. I retract my previous statement. Um, but yes, now she is fantastic. And the song that she sings is just brilliant. The amount of confidence, which is so clearly evident in her already at this stage of her career. I completely agree with Ashanti. She's going to go very far and hopefully she'll sing a few more songs because she has a lovely voice. Absolutely, She does. And and credit, I think, as well, in cases like this, to the director. So David E. Talbert is a, is a playwright as well as a filmmaker. This is not even his first Christmas film. He also made Almost Christmas a couple of years back and I think another one. So, you know, working with kids is, is a difficult thing and, and he has several in this film and I think they all give lovely, likeable, heartwarming performances without getting into that sort of, you know, child actor thing that some kids do. I don't think this ever strays into that sort of territory. Absolutely. And also speaking of kind of kids and being non-stereotypical, I love the fact that this girl is, you know, she's she's a little kind of mathematical genius. So she gives my, my niece, my, my Nigerian niece, she loves, you know, science. She wants to become a scientist. And it's lovely to have that representation because Shuri was the only one from, from Black Panther up until now. And suddenly, you know, you have a, a little girl so she can resonate with her in such a strong way. And I, I have absolutely loved all those little new that they put into this film mm. that I just I just I just thought was amazing and also shout out to Remy Adefarasin who has done the cinematography mm. because they've actually found found a, a person of color to do it and this guy has brought that film to life in such a way mm. and of course we're giving spoilers out now, yeah. right? Are we? Yeah, into I think we're that. into we're that. Now. We're, we're into that. that. <laughs> There's obvious, obviously the little robot in this film is the heart of the mm-hmm. film, and I don't so want cute. to say too much more mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it. But he's just so cute, as <laughs> Helen just said. He's just adorable, <laughs> and I mean. 
I love my little baby Yoda. I'm hoping to dress him up like, you know, Santa Claus once our tree is here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this, this, this little cat, this little character is one that I think, you know, if they sold it to me, I would probably buy one of him and keep him <laughs> yeah, because he is adorable. S- somebody's got to have been sending that design round to some toy shops going, yeah, guys. Uh, 100%. But yeah, no, you're completely right about the, you know, Definitely the, the the doll, which I want one. If anybody's listening to this, hook a brother up. Um, but <laughs> the performances, because this film is one of those films, because it's sort of swept up in the Christmas spirit and you got the mass equations and you got the sort of magical realism of it all, you really need mm. a good performance to sort of sell that and, you know, not make you sort of question it too much. And the yeah. film has that in basically every sort of department and that's really really impressive it really sort of keeps you in the world of the film and makes everything much more enjoyable yeah some yeah having someone like a Forrest Whitaker in there just absolutely kind of ground everything around him um and then it also allows somebody like Keegan-Michael Key to be a little bit bigger and broader and kind of funnier um this is this is actually the month of uh, Keegan-Michael Key uh, musical performances. I don't know if you're aware of this, but The Prom is also going to be out in a couple of weeks. I mean, he's he's this is his stage of his career, I guess, and I'm here for it. I'm loving it. I did it. not know he had this in him. This is just fantastic. I know, right? <laughs> It completely took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it at all. Mm. And I thought, ooh, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving no, it. The, 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 yeah. the Jingle Jangle soundtrack has been on repeat in the woman household. <laughs> it's been very, very Correct. loud. Some, some of the names may have got a little bit irritated at times, but it's for their benefit, so it's okay. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. You're a giver. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a time of giving. I'm just being generous, that's all. <laughs> that's definitely how that works. <laughs> Um, okay, so the, the idea was to contrast this with another film. And uh, I'll be honest, I struggled because I don't think it's quite like anything else. But I came up with, in the end, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. And here is my reasoning, all right? Um, both precocious little girls, right, who are, who are important to re- restoring the faith of adults around them. There are dueling toy shops in both. There are doting older men in both, or at least in the end, they end up doting, maybe not quite so much at the beginning. Um, And there's a whole theme about restoring faith and restoring some kind of belief and hope uh, in the season, as well as enviable outfits and (laughs) living a a situation. So that was kind of that was kind of my thinking. But um, but tell me about Miracle on 34th Street. Had you guys seen it before? Are you fans already? Because this is one I have to say that is on heavy rotation in my house. Interesting. Now you, um, I I had not seen it before. Um, Another another revelation, which I'm sure will shock my friends. (laughs) Um, But I'm glad that I was. forced inverted commas to sort of watch it for this podcast because uh, it is a lot of fun i'll also say you know between jingle jangle and miracle on 34th street kids can get the wrong idea that toy shops just give away toys for free for nothing you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean personally to set those straight because that's not how it works in the real world people you need to actually buy no. these things i'm sorry sorry to burst the bubble <laughs> but you know i'm a, I'm a realist so, so yeah, but now I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I think a big, if not the biggest reason why is Richard Attenborough as uh, Chris, mm-hmm. Chris Kringle. He just has his, the, the right twinkle in his, in his eye all the way through. And what I love about this film, like you could 
maybe explain away a few of the things that happens in terms of like, okay, he's he's not the real Santa, but they don't sort of, you know, it could easily go the other way and sort of say, okay, he is the real Santa. They don't really just yep. specify which, at least until the ending, which I have thoughts about. We were going to get into the ending because, wow. Um, but I I really like that the film sort of decided to sort of go in that direction. Um, and it played into the, the screenplay very well in terms of the spirit of the mm-hmm. movie and the belief and the idea of Santa versus, you know, the actual real-life Santa. I think that, that was played really well in the film. Ashanti, how about you? I also had not seen this film. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realise I was giving you guys so much homework. I'm sorry. It was a pleasure, honestly. <laughs> I was so happy to watch it. I was really glad that... Uh, I was really glad uh, that a film like this exists and mm. the fact that I'd not seen it and discovered it felt really good because... You know, we we have, uh, you know, this year we've got some amazing Christmas movies. I I have to say that, you know, I I saw A Gift from Bob a few weeks ago, completely loved it. Happiest Mm -hmm. Season has my heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then to kind of go back to see something from 1994... And just completely, you know, be immersed in it. I I just love that feeling. And, you know, I didn't even know that Richard Attenborough could play. (laughs) I not even thought of this aspect that he would play Santa Claus (laughs) in such a way. But boy, did he give his all to it. And Mm. like Amon said, his eyes had that twinkle the whole way through. The film just was was adorable. I, 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 I liked it so much. I was very charmed by everything that was going on. I never thought of Dylan McDermott as being such a hottie. I mean, really? Have you not seen Dylan McDermott before? (laughs) I I think that this was kind of where he looked his best. Mm, That's fair. Yeah, no, I mean, he's the thing about Dylan McDermott in this film is like, you you don't really believe that Elizabeth Perkins would be quite as hesitant about him as she is. You're just like, I mean, I'm sorry, have you seen him? And he's wearing a, a, a cable knit sweater. I swear this is where Chris Evans got the idea from before Knives Out. You know, this is, he's, he's doing everything right. I don't know what her problem is. The, the, the woman is, well, this is it. The woman is in need of help. And that's why Sansa, presumably, comes into their lives, right? It makes sense. He's, he's a good looking dude. I can concede that. <laughs> I can concede that. He's, he wears a nice jacket too. I'll concede that too. He does. A, he has a selection of good coats. Yeah. He does. He does. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's as far as my Dylan McDermott thirst goes, people. But. In fairness, I will I will acknowledge that um, Elizabeth Perkins also has a selection of great coats. I mean, the outerwear game generally in this film is spot on. I tell you what else is good in this film: the dressing gown game oh. is good in this film. My goodness. But that's another thing that unites the two films because if you remember Geronicus's dressing gown with the sort of you know gold frogging true. on the arms, I mean. Uh, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not going to be, we're not going to be shallow about this. We're not judging these films purely on their costumes, but also we're definitely judging them on their costumes. You know, it's Christmas. You got to dress up. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it's also nice to see Mara Wilson. I, I'm a big fan of the Matilda film from way back when, and she's really, really great on uh, social media, apropos of nothing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good to see her sort of back in that, in that, guys again and uh, being very very cute and just the perfect sort of vessel for this child wanting to believe in this uh, idea something bigger than her and uh yeah she gets some really really great moments all the way through and 
she she knocks out the park. She's good. Yeah, she really does. She's she fantastic. really does. I mean, she she was great in Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. and then you see her in this, and you just see that cute face, and you you just <laughs> feel that whole Christmas vibe just comes to you because you know that you know just with her big eyes that are imploring all the time, mm-hmm. and you you just feel like yes, this is the perfect casting for this film, yeah. and there was just so much about this film that I I just I just felt was. It didn't feel dated to me, and mm. this is something that happens. A lot of films just don't stand this, the test of time. And I think if I were to watch uh, even a film like Ben Hur again, I think I would struggle, <laughs> you know, so much. But with this, I I just loved it, and all that Christmas music just mm. brought the vibe of of the festival so beautifully together. And and yes, I I completely, you know, completely will recommend it. Mm-hmm. Natalie Cole singing in it, Dion Warwick. Oh, I mean. Yeah. You're just looking at the uh, the song list and saying, oh, Aretha Franklin, I'm listening to all these songs that just bring back my childhood to me. And that's what I want from a, a Christmas movie, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did promise a, an explanation of why we're doing the 1994 one instead of the 1997. Was that what you were about to ask, Amon? Yeah, yeah, okay. it was. <laughs> so, so the 1947 one, I want to say, is really good. If you haven't, people out there, if you haven't seen the 1947 one, it's genuinely worth a look. Fantastic cast again. Natalie Wood plays the little girl in that one. Uh, Maureen O'Hara, no relation, sadly, is is the single mother. Um, and a guy called Edward Gwynn plays Santa Claus himself and actually won an Oscar, a best supporting actor for the role. So, what? you know, I know. Fair play to him. He's, wow. he's wonderful, wonderful in the role. Although... The problem is I saw the 94 one first, so that is my Santa Claus. You know, that's the one in my heart. But yeah, it's it's really just comes down to that. This is the one I have watched most and therefore this is the one I plump for. And it's a rare case, I think, of a remake that is every bit as good as the original. Now, one interesting kind of change that they made to the story is in the original, the way that they kind of prove to the court that the, the judge doesn't have to commit Santa or doesn't have to commit Kris Kringle for maintaining that he's Santa um, to to some kind of care home. The way that they do that in the original is different. So in this one, of course, you know, you get Susan coming up and giving the judge a dollar and pointing out that the US Treasury believes in God and therefore it's okay if the court says it believes in Santa. Mm. Um, In the original one, what happens is children all over New York write to Kris Kringle, care of this courthouse, calling him Santa and the U.S. Post Office delivers those letters to the court to Chris. Hmm. And that's the key. So actually, they've given Susan a bit more to do in this one. And I think that's a really nice change. I like that. I like mm. that. In, in, sort of, in, in doing my homework uh, for this podcast, you know, so, so, so strenuously set. No, um, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> in doing my homework, I discovered that the 1947 Milk on 34th Street that film came out in June. I know. What is happening? It makes no sense. <laughs> Apparently, I think it was I think it was Daryl F. Zanuck was the studio chief at the time. He thought more people went to the cinema in summer, therefore let's release the film in summer. And they basically mm-hmm. played down the Christmas angle, if you can believe it, in the wow. advertising to get people along in the summer. Maybe. Do, do you think that contributed to uh, the dude getting his Oscar? Maybe, I guess. I mean, and maybe in those days it wasn't such a bar for a film to be released in the summer. You know, now, mm. if you were going for an Oscar, you'd definitely want it to be released in November or December. Absolutely. Yeah. But maybe not in those days. Wow. 
mad. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the the fact that he won an Oscar makes me want to see it. Um, because that performance must have been legit, if if that's the case. Uh, probably the only actor to ever. I mean, I. I would bet money that's not happening again. Um, the, nobody, that is, you're right. Yeah, he is the only actor to win an Oscar for playing Santa. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, Christmas Chronicles 2. <laughs> Kurt Russell is fantastic in that film. He is 90% <laughs> the reason why that film is as enjoyable as it can be at times. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, in, in, in a better world, absolutely. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but if we're, if, we're, if we're talking about Miracle on 34th Street spoilers, can we... Mm-hmm. The ending to that film. Like, okay. I know that with everything is being swept up in the Christmas spirit and whatnot, and I get it, but that's not how courtrooms work. <laughs> what? Number one. <laughs> Two, that's not how relationships work. It just... It, it bugs- like, they went from the beginning of the film, the guy can't get engaged to this woman. He ends mm. the film married to this woman without even having proposed. What? Well, he had Ma- proposed, technically. <laughs> he had proposed. She just turned him down. So, but, I mean, I so, just, yeah. Okay, that, I mean. That's number two. Number three, okay. that's not how getting the house works. There's paperwork. <laughs> and what, what, what is happening? What's going on? I mean, I can, I can believe a lot. But wow, <laughs> they hit me with like a triple whammy of stuff in the last 10 minutes of that movie where I was just like, really? Okay, sure. So you're like, fantasy <laughs> is fine, but conveyancing has rules. That's exactly. your basic <laughs> Exactly it. I mean, Ashanti, did that trip you up or were you able to get past that? <laughs> I, you know, just, just because it was a Christmas movie, I was okay with the Christmas miracle happening. Okay. So all of those things. And, you know, it's like I've often, like when we have, we've had, say, noise issues around our house and I've often wondered and, and wished that somebody would just give me a new new house that's just, yeah. perfectly quiet and very well insulated. <laughs> I'm fully furbished. Fully furbished. What? With a Christmas tree. You know, this is what, this is the dream, right? This is what mm. we all wish would somehow land up. So that to me felt really good. But yes, it was incredulous. And you know what? Heck, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's a time of miracles. all that. It is. It is. <laughs> Amon, did you learn nothing from Dutch? you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should never to, have chosen that name. Had to get at least one in there. <laughs> Look, Amon, if you learned anything from Die Hard, it is that it is a time of miracles, Christmas. So, you know, whether that's the FBI turning up on time or, in this case, (laughs) one of your colleagues, for some reason, taking you for a drive on Christmas morning to a catalogue house, which you must have shot in in about June. And for some reason, the decorations are still up. I mean, okay, there are some potential tiny logical holes there, but magic. Yay. Yay! Exactly. It's Yay. all about the magic. And Mon's like, mm. <laughs> and also um, the other. Th- can I just just throw in there that sure. for me, uh, one thing that had epitomized kind of Christmas was and and America was Macy's, and mm. with the 1947 version of uh, Miracle on 34th Street, that was a beautiful addition to that because I'd gone to Macy's for the first time on my first trip to New York, and oh. I just adored. Mm-hmm. That place it 
just is so beautiful. And it's just like going to Gallery Lafayette in Paris mm-hmm. or, you know, going to ha- Harrods as a child. You know, that was a big thing for me. We'd come to England on holidays from Nigeria and going to Harrods was was such a big thrill. Mm-hmm. And just kind of seeing that come to life in some ways also felt really good because in, in Miracle, they kind of, it was more of a fictionalized store, but it still mm-hmm. had that same feel. But them using Macy's as it was just yeah. felt really good to me and, and just brought back those memories also. And yes, again, that was a product of its time, but I didn't, you know, it didn't feel so so dated or so different. It had all those magical feels to it. And I, I loved that. I absolutely yeah. loved it. I feel like both of these films go out of their way to feel very classic, very kind of timeless. Like mm-hmm. you could watch them tomorrow or in 50 years and the effect is kind of going to be the same. And the same goes for Jingle Jangle. I think Mm. that it will stand the test of time. Anyone who watches this in 10 years' time won't won't watch it and think, oh, gosh, this is so different. This Mm. is... Uh, you know, suddenly I'm seeing this this cast that's of color, and the story is just not Christmassy. But this, they they managed to keep that feel mm. to it, and just made it feel so Christmassy, but also very classic, and 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 brought those two worlds together. I think I think that was a really nice thing, and 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 the the time jumping between you know, the, the the child and the grandma mm. and, and, you know, what, what she becomes. All of that just, I don't want to give too, I keep thinking to myself, I don't want to give too many spoilers out. <laughs> Hopefully but, people have seen it now. <laughs> I, I hope I haven't given too much away. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. But I think, I think, I do think you're right. I mean, I think that the storytelling framework of that one as well is is just really effective in that, in that respect and giving it timelessness. I mean, the, the most um, dated thing, I think, in either of these films is Elizabeth Perkins' white tights that she wears in one horrific scene. Um, <laughs> really gross everything else is fine but those they, yeah. they trip me up in the way that the court case did i'm on <laughs> i was about to say you being a lawyer and all surely you know little girls aren't just allowed to walk all the way up to the judge and hand hand the christmas card i mean okay, i mean no, I'll let it's it go. christmas I'll let it go. it's it's a christmas eve court case involving santa i feel like all bets are off in that one you know Okay. And I think when you see a little girl as cute as that, she's given carte blanche to do whatever exactly. she likes. Yeah, who's Good point, argue well made. <laughs> Good point, well made. And, yeah. and it, it's worth saying as well, I mean, just that the supporting actors in, in that scene, J.T. Walsh, for goodness sake, just as the, you know, essentially bad guy lawyer, uh, Robert Prowski as the judge, um, Josh Ackland, by the way, was the head of the alternative toy store and his his minions, if you will, were Jane Levy from Frasier and uh, James Remar, who I always think of as, as his Sex in the City role, but I probably shouldn't. And of course, Alice and Janney turned yes. out for about 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. She, oh she's my credit, gosh. She's credited as the woman, which is the great. Woman. <laughs> which, I mean, that is correct. <laughs> Absolutely. And what a woman. I was just thrilled when I saw her pop up there. I was like, oh my yeah, God, it's yeah. Alice and Jenny. Ah! I, I didn't see. see this, this is what Helen O'Hara has done to me. I've been watching The West Wing. So when I saw Alice and Jenny pop up, I did not say that's Alice and Jenny. I was like, that's CJ. It's CJ. <laughs> so anyone who watches The West Wing will understand the reference. Yeah. But I think a lot, a lot of so what we're saying speaks to the universal nature of of Christmas movies. The fact that these movies are so timeless that you can mm-hmm. watch them sort of from year to year to year, their messages still resonate, they don't feel dated. The fact that you can have 
you know, several with white people and one or two with people of color. Hopefully, <laughs> That's changing, more in future. I hope. That's changing. Hopefully, more in future. Um, it just speaks to the universal nature of uh, these films and why they will never go out of fashion. Well, they did go sort of go out of fashion sort of you know a few years back, but we're starting to see them more often again now, mm. uh, which is great because uh, given the darkness of the world in recent years, uh, we could do with more films that spread the joy and happiness of Christmas like these films we're discussing today do. Absolutely, 100% agree. Okay, so we're going to get in. What I've asked you to both think about is rating both of these films uh, in two different categories. First of all, (laughs) I want you to think about their Christmassiness. Now, this is obviously a highly technical term. Um, And it is one that is entirely arbitrary. (laughs) So so for you, what is the Christmassy score for each of these films? And should we do it out of, I mean, I guess five, ten, five? Let's do five. Ooh. uh... (laughs) Just trying to think. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to put my critical hat on here. And the sure. star ratings mean a lot to me. Um, <laughs> hmm. Miracle on 34th Street. I'm going to go with five for sure. Mm. Um, there's a lot of Christmassy stuff in that. With Jingle Jangle. You know what? I'm I'm in a giving generous mood today. It's a bit of Christmas and all, <laughs> so I'm going to give it five as well. Wow. Um, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of Christmassy stuff, in that. and the, the the trees as well, and both are legit as well good point yep that that fully furnished house you know in the <laughs> 24th street that tree is serious that's so, yeah. a serious issue because actually i've also watched for this a lot of the very cheap christmas movies uh, oh. you know they, they get kind of mass produced every year for various channels i won't name names i mean some of them though the trees are visibly dreadful and and that's fine because some trees obviously are but like it'll be in like a palace will have this very obviously fake tree with very obvious, like, you know, metal legs in a palace. And, you know, I don't know many royals, but I don't think that's a thing that they deal with. Wow. I mean, they couldn't even afford a tree skirt. Anyway. uh, Fire that set designer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I mean, I'm sure it's a budget thing. I'm sure they literally (laughs) run out of money. But yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I think that the, the... Christmas decor in both of these is wonderful. Uh, but Shanti, what, what, what would your rating be for these two films? I am in complete agreement with Amon. It's five out of five for both for me, <laughs> just because these two films just epitomize Christmas. They've got the music, they've got the trees, they've got the clothes. It's, they're lavish. They have fantastic messages coming through. Beautiful, cute little kids robots, toys, you know, all these things that for me, you know, it's like I feel like I'm so into the commercials of Christmas in that sense. But yes. but I love a good toy, you know? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Yeah. I think I would shop in both of these toy shops. I would just go 100%. for a look around these toy shops. Oh yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just just these two films I think are oh, I'm I'm so so glad we got a chance to talk about them and I'm so glad I got to to visit uh the the miracle on 34th street because these this just had that feel feel good factor and in this very dark year that we're facing something like that just uplifts you and both of these films have all the credentials that 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 give me pure joy um, amen. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I was I was flirting with a four for Christmasiness for uh, for Jingle Jangle just because Christmas itself 
doesn't really play a role. Like, you know, there is a sort of, you know, her mum's going to come on Christmas morning and pick her up, but there's no real because they're having dinner together or, you know, anything like that. The shop is open on Christmas Day. For some reason, the banker is coming to close the shop on Christmas Day, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but okay. You know, so that was the only reason I was... But I have to say, you've kind of convinced me, so I might I might have to go five after all. I mean, it's a very sort of red and gold and green, rich, beautiful, lush kind of Christmassy look to it anyway. And Miracle on 34th Street is a nailed on five for Christmasiness as well. And both of them had ample snow. I mean, Ooh. we rarely have snow in England at Christmas time these days. So that actually, again, for me growing up, especially in Nigeria, we, we grew up near the Sahara Desert and we had kind of more Hamatan season and all of those things. And my idea of Christmas always came from this this kind of movie and these kinds of visuals. And that's what both of these bring bring for me. And Jingle Jangle just, I mean, the, the, the edge of... For that, for me, was just the fact that there were so many kind of people of color on screen, and mm. that that felt very current because I have mm. spent Christmas with my, my my husband's family who are Nigerian, and you know we've we've been having a lot of good times at Christmas in the last few years, and I I, I just felt like yes, this is one that I'd put on and watch with the nieces and nephews mm, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's, we just don't see it that often, and yes. you know even just seeing adverts like, you know, I'm not going to get into the negative response to it, but the Sainsbury's advert, for instance, mm. seeing stuff like that is sort of a shock to the system for a lot of people because we don't see it that often at all. Even though, you know, we see it, you know, in, in the, in in the real world all, yeah. all the time. Um, so, yeah, um, the impact of that cannot be uh, overstated. And Absolutely. hopefully we'll see more films in this vein Stein people who look like who, who look who represent the multiculturalism of the world um because again it does have an impact and i just i know you know if, if it's having an impact on me at, at this point in my life i'm excited that the people growing up today are going to have films like jingle jangle and hopefully a lot more like jingle jangle to uh sort of you know watch uh at christmas time and hopefully even after christmas time because again these messages, they're not just for December and Christmas. They are for life. And these like films, <laughs> and these films at their best, they make you want to be a better person. Uh, and Jingle Jangle definitely did that. And so the Miracle on 34th yeah. Street. Yeah, that's very much it. I mean, it's fine to have a, a practically all white, I think, Miracle on 34th Street, as long as there are other alternatives. It's when it's all one group you know, it gets tiresome and, and exclus exclusionary and everything else. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I have to say that just this this year feels, it, it does feel great to see the array of the big Christmas films that are coming out, the kind of hybrid Christmas movie we're getting with A Christmas Carol, with Daniel Kaluuya giving voice, for example. That immediately kind of stood out to me. And I, I saw the film and I absolutely loved it, where you have the juxtaposition of dance with this narrative of a story that all of us have heard again and again. And it felt like they've they've kind of given it that 
that edge and an update with a, a Christmas gift from Bob. That mm-hmm. also has a lot of multicultural cast. It really felt like the London of today, which I I, I loved. And, and I'm severely allergic to cats and, and won't go near mm. one, but I will but watch, watch it. <laughs> I can watch Bob on screen very happily, very, very happily. And for me, Happiest Season alongside Jingle Jangle have, have kind of won Christmas for me because... You've seen with Happiest Season. If you've not seen it, I would urge you and implore you to watch it because yeah, it has. And we'll a... be talking about that in a future episode as well. Aha, there you go. You've got some great <laughs> guests lined up for that, I know. I mean, Kristen Stewart bringing her A game, Mackenzie Davis, Alison Brie. I mean, wow, the, this mm. cast is fantastic. And they have a very multicultural element to this. And we're looking at the different intersections here. You've got the LGBTQ plus side of things. But the fact that they've got this multicultural cast and you've got this whole idea where when family come together at Christmas, this is when, you know, I, I don't know if you're allowed to sh- to swear on this podcast. Oh, right? yeah, sure. Okay, well, this is when, you know, the, the, the shit goes down, right? Like, at Christmas time, you're there surrounded with family. And this is when all those issues that have been brewing up maybe for five, ten years even, they all just come mm-hmm. into one scene. And there is one scene, I won't give you spoilers, I'm sure mm-hmm. the other podcasts will talk about it, but there is mm-hmm. one scene where you will see this all come down like a, a ton of bricks. And I think the way they put all of that together into one film was was absolutely brilliant. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so uh, just, to, just to kind of wrap it up, Leaving aside the Christmasiness, which is hard with some of these films, but leaving that aside, leaving aside the warm glow that that kind of adds something to these films, objective quality, do we think these two are good films? Because it is possible, I think, to be a good Christmas film and a very bad film. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, maybe these two have walked the line. What do you guys think? Ending aside, because if we're taking all the Christmas <laughs> out of it, then we have to look at the ending objectively. And my God, man. But, But I do think that... A Miracle on 34th Street is a good film. And again, I think a lot of that is down to the interpretation of Chris Kringle by Richard Attenborough and the way his character interacts with the other people in the film, especially Susan, the little mm-hmm. kid, Mara Wilson, uh, is really heartwarming, real, authentic stuff. And it's really, really well acted and really, really effective for me. I think that is sort of the main strength of the film in a big way. And I think that is the main reason why I think it's a, it's a really sort of good film that will stand the test of time. That has stood the test of time. It's 26 years old. Yeah. People still yeah, uh, watch it now. And I think the same is going to be true of Jingle Jangle. Putting aside the representation aspect of it, it's a film about forgiveness. It's a film about families, it's a film about learning how to heal and new beginnings. All of that stuff is universal. All of that stuff is timeless. And that is all rendered in a a very effective way all the way through. Uh, It's also really, really well cast. Um, He's only sort of in the movie for about 10 minutes, but the younger version of Forrest Whitaker, there's a bit, there's a bit, I think his final sort of on-camera bit where he's running out of the store uh, to chase Mm. after uh, Keegan-Michael Key's uh, character or the, or the younger version of Kiko Mahiko's character yeah. and the camera sort of rests on his face which is sort of heartbroken and you can just see an older Forrest Whitaker in his face it's yeah. really 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 great um 
But yeah, yeah, that's uh, just that's Justin Cornwell, the actor, and the younger version of Keegan Michael Key's character is Miles Barrow. Just FYI. Yeah. So yeah, uh, all, all of that is is really really great. And again, because a film has themes like that, and they are uh, sort of rendered so well throughout the film. Yeah. Um, I think these. I think Jingle Jangle is going to stand the test of time purely because of that. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I would say both of them are very well-made films. This, you know, tight screenplays, mm. excellent storytelling, fantastic cast who are all on point. The the ensemble casts in this have all added to the uh, texture of of these two films, and both of them I feel are really good films. I think I could watch them at any any time in the year. I wouldn't be thinking Christmas necessarily, and I would fe- feel you know. It's, and I do love a good kind of feel good good factor and and all of that. And I look for that, but I also look for other other things in the films and the way this kind of brings you up and down in terms of your emotional quotient I think is very important in a in a film and seeing you know seeing how they have have done this with very you know very well directed scenes and beautiful cinematography and that that screenplay aspect also just really worked for me so I would say they're both really really good films I mean I remember watching uh, The Last Holiday you know a few years ago at, mm-hmm. at Christmas time and you know it didn't do very well but I remember those kind of emotions that I felt with that and that's something I want to feel when I watch a film I don't want to just breeze through it I want to feel different things when I see them and yeah. that for me was was very important and the best man holiday a very harold and kumar christmas these are all films that again you know you you can just breeze through some of those films rather than than think but these two films jingle jangle and a miracle on 34th street do make you think so much more than that All right, so I think that's it. I think we have we have officially talked these two out. Thank you so much to Amon and Ashanti for joining me. It has been a real pleasure. Join us next time for more Christmas movie dissection, discussion, kind of analysis, mostly just, you know, eggnog, let's be honest. But thanks a lot. See you then and Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you guys for coming along and doing this. This is really good. enjoyed listening to Bar Humbug, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people find the show. You can also subscribe so you automatically get the rest of this podcast lined up hassle-free and it's only going to be a limited run up to Christmas. It won't be using up all your data. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can pre-order my book, Women vs. Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Film, which comes out in February 2021. You can also, of course, find me in Empire Magazine, which is the world's best film magazine for my money. And I'm on the Empire podcast every week and host the podcast, His Darker Materials, to coincide with BBC HBO drama, His Dark Materials. If you'd like to connect with me or comment on the show or have any queries or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Helen L. O'Hara, or you can email producers at stripped.media. And I'd like to thank all the people who have made this podcast happen. Thanks to all the team at Strip Media, including Ben Williams, who edits this podcast, as well as Tom Wally, Dave Corkery and Kobe Omanaka, who have all helped produce and put this show together. Thanks also to all of my guests who have been absolutely wonderful in giving up their time to watch some Christmas films that are not always 100% great. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and others produced by Strip Media, 
please visit www.stripped.media to find out more. And that's it. Merry Christmas. You just heard a Stripped Media production.